High Heels and Heartache. I'm your host, Kendall Ann Bird. Thank you so much for listening. So this episode is about something that I have really struggled with in my adult life. Um, and when I was speaking to others, I found that they were struggling with the same thing. Um, and that thing is, dun dun dun, dun setting boundaries. Um, so after I realized that a lot of people were struggling with this, I went out and I found an expert on setting boundaries. Um, her name is Darlene Lancer. So Darlene Lancer is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's an expert author on relationships and codependency. She's counseled individuals and couples for about 30 years, and she coaches internationally. She's written a ton of books. Um, Some of those titles are Conquering Shame and Codependency, Eight Steps to Freeing the True You, Codependency for Dummies. Um, she's also written seven ebooks. Those include 10 Steps to Self Esteem, How to Speak Your Mind, Become Assertive, and Set Limits, Dealing with the Narcissist, Eight Steps to Raise Self Esteem and Set Boundaries with Difficult People, I'm Not Perfect, I'm Only Human, How to Beat Perfectionism. Oh, that's one I really need to read. Um, and Freedom from Guilt and Blame, Finding Self Forgiveness. So all, I have links to all of these in the show notes, and they're available on Amazon um, and other online booksellers, or you can check out her website, and that's www.whatiscodependency.com, and you can get a free copy of her ebook, 14 Steps for Letting Go. She does a lot of speaking in the media and professional conferences, and you can find her on SoundCloud, Clip, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And again, all of these links are in the show notes. So after my conversation with Darlene, I found that setting boundaries actually creates healthier and happier relationships, and it doesn't burden relationships, which is partially why I've never really been good at boundary setting is because I thought it would make the relationship worse. But lo and behold, (laughs) like so many things, what I thought was wrong. Um, So if you want to learn how to set boundaries so you can have happier and healthier relationships, keep listening because up next, Darlene Lancer teaches us how to set healthy boundaries. Hi, Darlene. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This is a very important topic. Well, I am so excited to have you on today because you're really an expert in teaching people to set boundaries. And the way that I found you was my best friend and I were talking about in 2019, kind of what our self goals were. And one of my goals is to be better at setting boundaries. And I was Googling it and I saw this really fabulous article you wrote on psychology today called are your boundaries strong enough and after I read it I was like oh my gosh I gotta get her on the podcast because she really knows what's up with boundaries so (laughs) my first question to you is why is it important to set boundaries in relationships well uh, interestingly uh, people don't realize that relationships can't really thrive and last without boundaries because 
uh, well, for many reasons. First of all, for a relationship to really um, be a healthy one, you have to have two separate people. So if one person is walking all over the other or uh, one person just loses themselves in the relationship, uh, they're gonna feel smothered, they're gonna feel abused, they're gonna feel exploited. Um, the, the lowest level of relationship is really when there's only one person. What I mean is one decision maker, one ego, like, like a king and a, a submissive person. And then the next level is maybe when there's conflict and then you have to learn to become assertive. And this gets into why assertiveness is so important. And, uh, and that also includes setting boundaries. And so, and then, then you're at another level, there's more compromise, compromise and less conflict. So you need boundaries in order to protect yourself, in order to communicate what you value, uh, what, how you want people to treat you. And people won't even realize that they're offending you unless you set a boundary. They're just half the time just being themselves. I'm not talking about overt abuse. abuse. But in just other situations uh, where people don't intend to be abusive, they are just doing their thing, but they don't realize that you object to the fact that they left their dirty dishes all over the kitchen <laughs> or their laundry on the floor or things like that. So, so that's a really good point. So for us to, to have relationships that are at that level of compromise and not conflict and not one person kind of walking all all over the other person the way that we do that is through the setting of boundaries right another example would be if your neighbor always asks you to watch their children while they go off and do things and you have a hard time saying no well every time you say yes you're giving them permission that it's okay with you they might not think that they're exploiting you or taking advantage and you're getting more and more resentful. Yeah. And, and that leads us into the next um, question I have for you. In your article, you talk about um, boundaries are your bottom line, but lots of people have difficulty in, in setting boundaries. Why is this? Why do you think people really struggle in setting boundaries? Well, first of all, you have to know what you feel and what you need. So you can't just, depending on your level of self-awareness and individuation, which means to the extent to which you're a separate whole individual, you may not even be able to identify your feelings, communicate your feelings, know what you need, know what you want. You're used to just adapting to who whomever you're with or suppressing your feelings to be uh, liked, to people please. All this goes back to childhood, which I won't go into today, but it's covered in my books. Um, so then, so that's the first level, being able to know yourself a little bit. You can't set boundaries if you don't know yourself. 
That's a really good thing to remember that it's impossible to set boundaries with other people if you don't know what your own boundary is. Exactly. Or what your values are, you know, so, um, and then even people who do, uh, they might just put other people's needs first or other people's feelings first, because that's the way they were trained or they're anxious or feel guilty about asking for what they want, uh, what they need. So you, you have to sort of know what your values are and you do that by tuning into yourself, getting, having your relationship with yourself, a strong one. Um, most codependents, they're, they're so focused on the other person and they're very good at, they can be hypervigilant and reading other people's um, facial expressions and anticipating their needs and so ready to help and make someone else feel good that they have lost the connection to their internal guidance system, to their own feelings. So So, in in that case, those people are kind of putting another person's values maybe over their own values. Right. They may not even know it that they're doing that. Yeah. And, And I thought that one thing that you brought up in your article about, you know, why people don't set boundaries is you write that they believe setting boundaries jeopardizes the relationship. And I thought that was an important point to make that that, why do people do that? Why, why are people worried that the setting of a boundary would make, put the relationship in jeopardy? Well, that goes back to how they were raised. So if they had a parent that punished them or withheld love, if they disagreed, if they said no, if they said, I don't like that, I don't want that, uh, they had a very domineering or controlling parent or an abusive parent, then uh, they're afraid that that will be repeated. Or maybe their prior relationship was like that. And so they walk on eggshells and they don't want to make waves, uh, especially if they have a relationship in the past or present with someone with a personality disorder, an addict who's volatile. So they're, they're intimidated by someone else's anger they don't realize that that's just a manipulation. So being able to um, tolerate someone else's anger uh, takes some inner strength and confidence. You have to know that you're going to survive on your own. Yeah. And maybe this is the reason you shouldn't be with that person. If they're going to have a tantrum or be abusive when you say no or ask for what you want. So before that is that people have to believe that they have rights. Um, I did a workshop in September um, with a lot of uh, women in recovery, and I did an exercise with them asking them to state what their rights are. And a lot of them started giggling and laughing. No, I said, I want you to say it seriously. And uh, half, the, half the women couldn't do it. A lot of people I work with, they don't know what their rights are. They don't think they have any rights. Again, if your needs, wants, feelings were shamed in your family, and you're so used to adapting to others, that the whole concept of having any rights is foreign to you. 
And you, by the way, you can't set boundaries because uh, some therapist said uh, you shouldn't let people do this. You shouldn't um, have, you know, loan people money or you shouldn't have sex until a certain uh, date or something or other. It has to come from, you might be able to do that uh, just like uh, robotically, but until it comes from your own body and your own self-awareness of your feelings and uh, how your reaction, then it's not really authentic and it's not going to hold. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is kind of the first step in setting a boundary is doing some self-reflection, figuring out your values, your rights, and that's something that's only going to come from internally. It's not going to be like your your friend says, you shouldn't let that person do that. It has to come from, from you in order to be able to set a boundary. That's right. And- Perfect. Many, that, that's really good advice. Yeah, many people, by the way, I should say that, um, is it, okay, so that's really the basic. And then, you know, further on, you have to learn to be assertive. So you could know all this, but you are too reluctant, too afraid, too anxious, too guilty or whatever to speak your truth. So that's another level of learning to be assertive. Um, so you might have fear about that, fear of someone, as I said, anger or judgment. Um, if you had a narcissistic parent, maybe you were told when you asked for something or said no for, to something that you were being selfish. Oh. So you don't realize that actually your parent is the one that's selfish. <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of shame about your needs and wants. You don't feel entitled. Many people, when they first learn to be assertive or say no, they think, oh, it sounds so mean. Even their own voice sounds mean to them. And it's not. It's just being normal. Hmm. And and in your article, you talk about, and, and this was to me, I never had thought about it this way, but you say that there are six types of boundaries and that they're all important, that there are material boundaries, physical boundaries, mental boundaries, emotional boundaries, sexual boundaries, and spiritual boundaries. And I think that that's really important to kind of think about that there are different boundaries that, again, you have to do some self-reflection and decide where you are in all six of those different places. That's right. Yeah. So maybe, for instance, maybe growing up, your physical boundaries weren't violated. And that means that you're entitled to your own space, privacy. uh, Your body wasn't inappropriately touched. but ask yourself, do you give a handshake or a hug? And to whom? And when? And how do you feel about uh, having your doors locked or unlocked, about nudity in front of people, uh, people that you don't know and people that you are close with, uh, loud music, for example? Those are all your physical boundaries. 
How do you want to be touched? When do you when do you feel comfortable kissing someone on a date? And that's and, for you to decide. That's not for anybody else to decide. That's right. <laughs> See, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> someone if someone crosses your boundaries, then that tells you something about the whole how the whole relationship is gonna be. I thought something that that was really important that you wrote about emotional boundaries, um, that emotional boundaries distinguish separating your emotions and responsibility for them from someone else's. And that helps you to prevent you from doing things like accepting the blame. Exactly. You just say, well, I don't take responsibility for that. That's or someone else is feeling angry and you don't right away feel guilty. Yeah. Angry with you, like you said, blame. Or someone's sad and you feel guilty that, oh, I, um, I shouldn't say this because I'm going to hurt their feelings. Well, you have an obligation to be honest in a relationship. That doesn't mean to uh, intentionally be unempathic, intentionally hurt them. Uh, but to say, how you feel about a person that is healthy communication that's what builds intimacy and trust so i i know people who are in relationships with someone who's always pleasing and doesn't want to say anything negative they tell me they don't trust the person and they don't feel comfortable they feel like they're always on good behavior so they feel uptight so when when person A is connected to their authentic self and vulnerable, it gives permission to person B to also be that way. Oh, that's a great point. That and that's kind of where you're reaching that level of compromise where we want to be. So another reason why people have trouble setting boundaries and being a assertive is what you just touched on. And that is they're ashamed of being vulnerable or showing their feelings or asking for what they want and what they need. They think it's humiliating to ask for it, to show that. To, they might even think that they're gonna be a burden. They don't wanna be a burden to someone. And so the way that they kind of make, get not be vulnerable and not be a burden is to kind of ignore their boundary. Well, yeah, just ignore their feelings. They override it. So here is the million-dollar question. What is the right way to set a boundary? All right, so this is why assertiveness is so important. And I consider setting boundaries graduate-level assertiveness. <laughs> so you have to dial this back. First, you have to start to know yourself. Identify your feelings, your needs, your wants, and then you have to be able to verbalize them and say, make I statements. I feel, and that's different than I feel you're being selfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly an I statement, huh? <laughs> no, that's, uh, if you could substitute the word think, I think you're being selfish, it's not a feeling. So okay. Basically, mad, sad, glad, afraid, shame. And then there's all kinds of permutations and gradations of those 
feelings. I list about 200 in codependency for dummies, and you can find lists of feelings online. So check yourself throughout the day. What am I feeling? And then the dummies book has a list of needs. People don't really think about their needs other than maybe need for sex and food and sleep. <laughs> but we have tons of needs for uh, friendship, for support, to be listened to, to be respected, for inspiration, for creativity. They, people have a lot of different needs. So figure out what your needs are. And okay, so then it means being able to be assertive and say what you need, how you feel. Communication is learned in our childhood from our parents. And many people come from families where the communication was dysfunctional. So oftentimes one parent is passive um, and the other one is aggressive or nagging, critical, blaming. And nagging, attacking, blaming, criticizing, those are dysfunctional forms of aggressive communication. And the other person is going to react offensively or just mm -hmm. tune you out. So assertiveness can be learned. Your communication can be learned. And it builds self-esteem. And by the way, the higher your self-esteem, the more assertive you are. And people can assess your self-esteem by your communication. You don't realize, including on a job interview, so when you're assertive, it communicates with self-esteem. And by the way, research has shown that women who are more assertive enjoy sex more. Oh, wow. Because they can set boundaries and say no, and they can also ask for what they want. They can say what feels good and what feels bad. And they don't feel guilty about it. So communicating assertively is kind. I have an ebook, How to Speak Your Mind, Become Assertive and Set Limits, and a webinar, How to Be Assertive. And I go over all the aspects and tools to be assertive, but it's courteous, it's concise, it's direct, and it's congruent with yourself. You're being authentic. You're, and also, a big part of assertiveness is listening. Half of communication is listening. So it means being present. So what I'm hearing is when we are learning to set our boundaries, we have to first figure out, you know, what our values are. Then we have to figure out how to be assertive. And maybe that takes a little bit of training in order to be assertive, but not aggressive. That's right. And also not going into... A judgment, like I said, I think I feel you're selfish. Yeah. I feel you're being controlling. I feel um, so instead you might say, uh, right now I feel like my I don't matter. I feel like my needs are unimportant. Uh, so like that's I different than saying you act like my needs are unimportant. Yeah, it may be, you might think of it as a subtle difference, but it's a, a huge difference to the listener. Yeah. So if you say you're being controlling, they're going to say, no, I'm not. You're trying to control me right now. <laughs> and then you just start the, start the spinning, huh? <laughs> the power struggle. So if instead 
and he said, to me, it fe I feel that my needs are not important in this relationship. It's okay to describe behavior. I don't like it when you slam the door. You know, when you interrupt me, then you're describing concrete behavior. But, but don't make generalization. Is um, that what you're saying? It's okay to say a specific thing, but well, not... Well, I mean, don't attribute intentions or feelings by oh. the person. So, okay. it's not a statement. You're being concrete. When you borrow money and you don't pay it back, I feel exploited or however you feel, taken advantage of, um, ignored. When you interrupt me, I feel invisible. I feel, um, in my mind, it, I imagine, again, you're having a disclaimer here. You're just saying, I imagine that you're not interested in what I'm going to say. And, and that's, that's, that's really... That's really good language to keep in mind. And, and my next question is, when you're communicating your boundary, should you or should you not kind of include what the consequence of violating that boundary would be? Because to me, I feel like if I say a boundary and include what a consequence might be, I feel like I'm giving someone like an ultimatum or like threatening them. Well, I think it comes across a little harsh the first time, but it's a, you can give them feedback, which in a sense is a consequence. Like you say, when you, again, this example, when you've interrupted me several times in this conversation and when you interrupt me, I start to uh, not want to talk to you. I, I feel like leaving the conversation. <clears throat> so that's a consequence, but it's explaining, you're giving them feedback of the impact. You're communicating the impact. They might say, yeah, I know I have this problem. I'm sorry. A lot of times that happens. But if you say, if you interrupt me one more time, I'm leaving the room. You know, that's a little bit harsher. So I could would start just by saying, I don't, you know, I don't like it when you interrupt me. You could just give your feelings about it. If you do this several times and the person continues to ignore you, and remember, be patient because the other person is having to learn new behavior too, just like you. Oh, that's an excellent point. They're doing their habitual thing. So I, I never really thought of that, that it, it probably would take more than just bringing it up once for the person to hear it, kind of internalize it and change their behavior. Right. So the idea is to do it with um, goodwill. Oh, so, that's so important. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, you're doing it again. <laughs> and talk about it. Um, and then, uh, but if it continues to be a problem, then you can say, well, next, you might say next time, um, I'm just going to leave, I'm going to get off the phone or something like that. Yeah. 
So, so that was, that was my next question of what do you do when you set a boundary and the person violates that? And your advice is to say in a, in a loving way, sort of like, Hey, remember I mentioned that it makes me feel bad when you interrupt me. Right. Yeah. And I suggest in my work, I say, write out scripts because I guarantee you in the moment, everything you're learning, reading, what I'm saying is going to go out the window. And you're going to scream, if you interrupt me one more time, I swear to God, I'm never talking to you ever again and slam the phone down. Or say nothing. Yeah, true. So a a big problem that a lot of people have have is they, someone, they're talking to someone who goes on and on and on and they don't even want to be on the conversation anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so rude for them to get off the phone. They don't know how to get off the phone. It never occurs to them that the other person is also being, they think it's like mean or selfish for them somehow to say, uh, I don't want to continue the conversation. It doesn't occur to them that the other person isn't thinking of them. If they're talking for a half hour straight and have, haven't said, asked them about how their day is, you know. So write these out, write out scripts and practice them out loud. And if there's something specific, and in in my dummies book and um, also in how to be, speak your mind, become a sort of inset limit. There are a lot of uh, tips on how to do this, but you can prepare a script for a particular uh, conduct. And then you ask yourself, before you could, there's other steps involved. Before you set a boundary, you have to know what is your bottom line. You never want to, um, well, I should say, before you have a consequence or even a boundary, you know, it, is this something that's important to you? Is there a workaround? Maybe you can ask for a compromise. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. So, because- and how are you going to feel if you set the boundary? How do you feel if you say no to this person? Uh, how will you feel if you say yes? Will you be resentful if they ask you to drive them to the airport or something? Maybe it turns out, well, you're willing to, but only on a certain day or at a certain time. So the first step of that is knowing in yourself, hey, I can, I'm really busy on every other day, but Tuesday. So if they ask me on a Tuesday, I'm happy to do so. But if they ask me to do it on a Wednesday, I need to do some self-reflection and some preparation on how I'm going to tell them in an assertive but kind way that I can only drive them on Tuesdays. And here's a shocker. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Oh, that's so important. (laughs) That's so important. (laughs) I have a lot of savings that I could lend you, but I don't want to. Or I'm free on Tuesday, but I don't want to drive you to the airport. Oh, that's so important. And again, that sort of goes back to what we were talking about before. If you believe that telling someone they can't have all your money or you can't drive them to the airport every time that they ask that that somehow jeopardizes that relationship, that's not a great place to be functioning from. That's right. And a lot of codependents 
for sure believe if they can, they should. So there's no option. There's no, this is the difference between being uh, nice and being a people pleaser. Okay. Because a codependent, their, their behavior is compulsive. They don't feel that they have any other choice. They have to say yes, or they're mean, or the relationship is in jeopardy. But you might decide that it's not something you prefer to do. You really don't want the inconvenience. But when you think about the relationship overall, maybe you'll do it this time. Or maybe the other person's need in this situation is greater than your need. Uh, or you do it because you love the person and you want to do it. But there's a thought process in there that takes into consideration you. You're <laughs> an individual. You have some choice here, an option. Oh, and that's so key. important. So it, it's very helpful to say to someone, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Okay, so that's kind of another layer that we're getting to here. So maybe you're not sure if that's something you want to do. You have the right to say, hey, let me think about that and I'll get back to you instead of immediately saying yes or immediately saying no. You're giving yourself kind of the space to figure out, again, what your value is on that and if you want to set the boundary or not. Yes. And, you know, communication is so important because, for instance, you people, this happens all the time, they get an invitation and they really don't want to accept, but they think they should <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> and so they don't get back to the person and they just procrastinate because uh, it's hard to say no. Yeah. And the, the person who's sending the invitation is getting more resentful and annoyed and they can't get there. Maybe they're okay with no, but they want to make a plan. Maybe they'll ask somebody else, but you deprive that of that opportunity because now you're waiting to the last minute and then maybe making an excuse. I can't do it because, um, this, you know, this week I'm busy and you know what? Then they'll ask you for the next week because you haven't really said it's not something I'm comfortable doing. And that kind of goes with um, emotional boundaries too, that if you're just, something is bothering you and you're not taking the time to assess your values and set a boundary in an assertive but kind way, then you might, you know, have a big reaction the next time that the person does something, but really you were the one who didn't set the boundary when you were feeling kind of off about something that the person had done in the first place. That happens all the time. People stockpile resentments, which are killers for relationship because they don't speak up and then they accept more and more behavior they don't like. And then they blow up and the other person says, Wow, that was really out of proportion, what, what happened. That's very common. Or they cut off the relationship because mm -hmm. they've been harboring all of these uh, grudges and resentment. And another thing, this is like with the procrastination, it's important. Uh, when somebody is doing a behavior that you don't like, many people, because they're afraid of confrontation and they don't know how to be assertive, 
they back off, they withdraw. Yeah. And either it's really bad in an intimate relationship because you're living with the person. It's easier with friends. So maybe you don't call, talk to that person for a month. But you never give them feedback. You never let them know. You're never setting, communicating how you feel, what you want. You're never setting a boundary. And so you're not um, being effective in helping that relationship. Think of being assertive and setting a boundary is not mean. It's because you care about the person. You, you value the relationship. That's you a that's a wonderful way to put it because that's sort of like you're doing the work to make the relationship better. Because if you don't do that work, then you end up doing what you were just talking about, withdrawing, which is not good for friendships or intimate relationships. It's not good for, there's like zero growth in that. Yeah. And actually you write in your article, once you get practice setting boundaries, you feel empowered and less anxiety, resentment, and guilt. Generally, you receive more respect from others and your relationships improve. Yes. So I think that that's really important because people, and I tend to be a people pleaser, <laughs> who don't really set their boundaries because we're trying to please, we think that that is improving the relationship. But all that's doing is creating anxiety and anger and resentment when if we set boundaries in the assertive but kind way that you've taught us, that's actually going to improve our relationship. Absolutely. You know, I hear a lot of, well, when we were dating, it was like so great. And then after we got married, uh, she just became so uh, bossy or controlling. It's like she was just being on her best behavior until the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Felt safe enough to like say what she wanted. Uh, so you might as well let people know who you are right off the bat to see if you're compatible. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And uh, it's, you can even say, you know, this is really hard for me. Um, I, I, but I want to tell you this because I, I value your friendship or our relationship. And so I just wanted you to know that, you know, when you don't return my calls, I start to, whatever you're feeling, uh, uh, worried about your relationship or building resentments. And by the way, another thing is that, when you withdraw, instead of being assertive, the other person may interpret that as shaming. They might feel abandoned, and then they're going to react to your reaction. Hmm. So I go into this in my book, Conquering Shame and Codependency. Shame is at a root of a lot of this, of not feeling entitled to your feelings, your wants, your needs, um, being afraid of being abandoned and uh, withdrawing. Because you feel shamed, when you feel blamed, you maybe withdraw or attack, you withdraw. And then your withdrawal um, triggers the other person's, the attacker's shame, and then it just spirals out of control. You get into the old shame spiral. Uh, right. <laughs> so Usually one person attacks, the other one withdraws. Yeah. So, so my last question is, how, what do you do if you set a boundary in an assertive and kind manner 
and a person violates it. So you deliver whatever consequence you feel is best for you. And then they act as though they have been victimized by you, but they knew your boundary and they chose to violate it. What, what advice do you have in that situation? Well, can you give me an example? It's easier to address example. Yeah. Like if you, you know, like we were talking before um, about if you say to someone like, hey, you know, I feel like what's going on in my life isn't really important in our friendship because I don't get to talk a lot when we're on the phone. I don't get to really say what's going on in my life. And then you have some conversations with the person again. And again, they're talking all the time and you don't get to say anything. And so the next couple of times they call, you choose not to answer. And then they might say like, you know, why, why don't you talk to me anymore? It really hurts my feelings that you, that you won't talk to me. Okay, well, that's a situation where the person didn't set a boundary. They communicated their feeling. Okay. And so first you might just communicate that, and the person will say, oh, I'm sorry. And But then it's likely they're going to go back to their old behavior. So then you might remind them and say, hey, so, you know, uh, Kendall, <laughs> you're doing that again, and and I'm starting to just lose interest in this conversation, or uh, my mind is wandering, I'm getting, feeling drained, whatever you're feeling. And uh, if it continues, I'm just going to uh, let you know and get off the phone. And so, what if, what if they're person- doing it again and I really want to get off the phone? Mm-hmm. And then what if that person says, like, well, you don't support me? Well, that's your opinion. (laughs) I don't take responsibility for that. I I feel I'm supportive. Oh, okay. So so that's where we're getting. So if you set your boundary and the person violates it, and then they come back and say they feel emotional about whatever consequence that has been given to them because of them violating your boundary. That's not for you to feel guilty about. Well, you might feel guilty, but the more you do this, the less guilt you'll have over time. Um, but it's better to, you know, it's better to feel, you'll be able to handle the guilt. What's really bad is the resentment of not doing it, because then the relationship is going to really suffer from it. But you'll get over your guilt. You don't have to um, act on your guilt. And you could just say, well, I, as I said, I don't, I, I don't see it that way. Yeah, because that's your boundary and something that is your value and your bottom line, as you say. Another response is, well, right now I'm feeling attacked and blamed. Mm. So now you have a new, now you're communicating your feelings again. When you said that, I feel blamed for your feelings. Wow. That's really powerful. <laughs> so yeah, here's another one that is always a shocker to someone who's an abuser. And they say, well, you made me this. 
they love to, abusers love to turn the tables and play the victim. Yeah. Uh, when you say anything to them, they'll turn it around. Somehow, cleverly twist things so it's called blaming the victim, and they'll do that. I and, wouldn't have had to do this awful thing if you wouldn't have done this right. whatever. Right, and call you a name while they're saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so I once uh, was look, working with a couple, and actually this abuser had been violent too, and he was, he was pulling this victim thing. And um, I had coached his wife to say, uh, gee, I didn't know I had that much power over you. He was poor because he wanted to feel powerful. So the fact that to say, gee, you have so much power that you could make you do something, you made me hit you, you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I had that much power over you. He didn't know what to say to that. Yeah, that that sort of did back him in a corner. (laughs) So is there anything else that you can tell us about setting boundaries that we haven't gone over yet? Because I feel like just personally, you've helped me so much (laughs) with my 2019 um, New Year's resolution. But is there anything that you want to add about setting boundaries for really any relationships? Well, I would say, first of all, think about what you've said or done. And if it hasn't worked, why, given what we're talking about? And uh, looking at the examples and discussion in my materials. And then also, um, before you set any consequences, think them through in advance and think through what is a consequence you can live with. So if you threaten to leave the relationship, but you're really in your heart of hearts are not willing to do that, then don't make that threat. Um, Always mean what you say and never make threats that you're not going to keep. And by the way, all your effort will be undone if you don't maintain your boundaries and consequences. So just like, and think of it this way, you're training your partner. or the person in your life, uh, like you would um, a child or an animal. So if a child has a tantrum in the supermarket for candy and you indulge and give that child candy, what have they learned? They've learned if they cry and scream long enough and hard enough, they're going to get the candy. Mm. That's a great point. Consistent. That's a great point, consistency when we're setting our boundaries. And you will need support, especially if the other person is not cooperative and in any kind of high conflict situation. And also if you're dealing with, for instance, someone who has a borderline or or, uh, narcissistic personality disorder, there's special rules (laughs) when you're dealing with them. And that's why I wrote a book, uh, Dealing with a Narcissist. Eight Steps to Raise Self-Esteem and Set Limits with Difficult People. Anyone in high-conflict relationships. But someone who is abusive in that sense uh, generally is not interested in how you feel. Yeah, or your boundaries. Well, they will respond to boundaries uh, mm. if it hurts them. Oh, oh, excellent point. So excellent there's point. special strategies to 
uh, think about. Well, in the show notes, I'm going to have links to all of the books that you've published, and you have a ton of ebooks also, which is fabulous. So we can um, read about that. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I have learned so much from you. Well, thank you very much for having me. And just to remind your listeners, everything's available at whatiscodependency.com. And I'm on Facebook. I have a YouTube channel. And all the links there are on my website also. Okay. And I'll definitely link that to the show notes as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Darlene. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Once again, thank you so much to Darlene Lancer for being on the podcast. I learned a ton about setting boundaries, and I think it's really important for those of us who are survivors of domestic violence or really any kind of abuse that we figure out what our values are and what our boundaries are so that we can then communicate those to other people. And thank you so much, Darlene, for teaching me that today. If you are in an unsafe relationship, there is help. You can dial the National Domestic Violence Hotline. The number is 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is 1-800-799-SAFE.